Ladies and gentlemen, karibuni sana. Just a disclaimer right before today's episode. Yeah, we are recording on Zoom for the first time. Um, so the sound quality might not be at 100%. There might be some drop-off areas. Um, apologies for that, but we we'll still hope that you learn as much as possible. Definitely enjoy. Welcome to the Busy Being Born podcast with your hosts Kamande and Kigondo. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, karibuni sana. Welcome to the Busy Being Born podcast. And as always, we have Kamande and myself, Kigodu, out here. Karibuni sana. Welcome um, to the 10th episode. So far, so good. It's been uh, brilliant guests again and again and again. So today, just like you've seen in our um, title and everything we've told you about, at least in writing about this episode, you know, we have a dope guest we have a really good guest we have a brilliant guest as always might as well jump into the one who's uh, holding us uh, down for this one so this episode is brought to you by funky science um, funky science is an education technology company striving to ensure that kinesthetic learning is incorporated into cognitive learning at a young age through creative experimentation funky science delivers creative science experiments via online classes camps clubs and events with the aim of encouraging students to love and practice science the direct beneficiaries of funky science are school-going children of ages between uh, 5 and 13 the experiments are interactive and encourage children to ask all sorts of questions about science and also to participate in a wide variety of experiments. And to introduce a funky science kit, funky science has incorporated the learning aspects into, our, into their novel science uh, kits. The kits help children discover new lessons and amazing adventures. Each kit has experiment flashcards to guide the child with step-by-step -step instructions on how to conduct each experiment. Um, they have content that is fun and relevant, aligned content with edu educational curricula, <laughs> and develop an innovative spirit in learners by using regular everyday tools. So Kamande and I, every time we uh, introduce Funky Science as a sponsored uh, sponsors of the episode, we always say these are the things we wish we had when we were kids, you know. So make sure you engage your child. And if you're interested, you can find them uh, on social media. That is on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Funky Science, F-U-N-K-E-S-C-I-E-N-C. -E -E you can uh, give them a call on 0728 double four zero eight three four and you can email them at ask at funkyscience.co.ke check them out check out their website talk to them tell them where you had uh, them on karibuni sana and support women entrepreneurs um and today's guest um is a brilliant brilliant technology entrepreneur so ladies and gentlemen we have a guest we have a guest we have a guest we have a guest hey, we have a guest Aposawa, uh, we have a guest uh, tell uh, us about the guest are they brilliant of course they are brilliant are they are they representing the motherland of course they are representing the motherland mm. in a very special way in a very very special way who is this guest tell us who is this you, you guest? forgot something are they busy being born <laughs> 
Oh yeah, and are they busy being born? <laughs> of course, they are very busy being born. That's the only reason they're here. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is a brilliant, amazing Dr. Shiko Gitao, who's a leading computer scientist in Africa with 10 plus years of experience in ICT for development, um, technology design and implementation. She is currently the CEO of Kala, Q-H-A-L-A. Um, find them at Kala.com, a digital innovation lab whose goal is to catalyze Africa's digital future. Um, she previously led product at Safaricom Alpha that we'll talk about, um, Safaricom's innovation lab. She's worked with the Africa Development Bank, advising governments on ICT. She's been a UX researcher at Google, um, a research assistant at Microsoft Research, and also co-founded iHub Research. She sits on several boards as a director, including the COVID-19 ICT Advisory Committee of the Government of Kenya, as a member, and the Gettings Trust as chair of the Board of Trustees. In 2010, she was the first African to win the incredible Google Anita Borg Memorial Scholarship received in, um, in the Grace Hopper Celebration of Women in Computing, based on her inventions in computer science um, around her PhD um, and thesis. Um, she has featured in the top 40 under 40 women in Kenya uh, by the Business Daily, awarded as an Aspen New Voices Fellow, and has been recognized for the next uh, by the next Einstein Forum as the face of science Kenya. Um, she holds an MSc and PhD in computer science from UCT, University of Cape Town. Ladies and gentlemen, we give you again the amazing, amazing Shiko Gitao. Shiko. Thank you for joining us via Zoom um, for the first time. This is actually the first time you're doing this remotely. Um, so we are glad that you could make time for us. Karibu sana. How have you been? I'm good. And thank you for allowing this Zoom. We have to make sure that we're experimenting on this remote work completely. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually in the village. So it's not just I'm in Nairobi sitting in my room. I'm actually in, 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 in the village. You might hear chicken and babies on the back. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's okay. Um, wh wh why the decision to move out of Nairobi? Because that it was not always like that. Let me tell you. So it's, it's, it's a number of factors. So I, I'm sitting in Nairobi in my house, thinking I'm sitting in Nairobi in my house, absolutely waking up, going to my desk, and then back, going to the kitchen, and then to the bedroom, and then to the kitchen. I'm thinking, what, why am I in Nairobi in the first place? I can do this anywhere in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And and then my my mom was not feeling well, so I said, okay, let's go and sit with mom for a while. Then it became so comfortable because now I can be able to get out and see the chicken, and uh, you know, get the kids to run around with the chicken and still sit on my computer and do work because there is fiber. And so that that the idea of remote work and the future of work became so real to me. And so because at that point, even the kids were doing uh, homeschooling using was used via Zoom, it was like there was no inconvenience. At all. Actually, for, for the longest time, many people didn't know I was working from the village until somebody said, oh, can we meet for coffee? I said, and not, <laughs> not possible. We can do virtual coffee. Yeah. Okay. And, and um, how long ago was this decision? Is this something... Uh, yeah, September. This just, is September when, when 2020. Yeah, 2020. Once, 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 once we're told, okay, the session is finished, uh, you can move. We actually, I think that two weeks later, we just moved. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and how is that, especially um, uh, because you're running your team now? Um, as a CEO, and and I, uh, you know, that's very demanding. Um, how how has it been? You moving out of Nairobi and completely uh, completely transitioning, I suppose, to remote work. So we we decided on. So we I think 
COVID was announced exactly a year ago today, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> March um, 13th. Uh, and I remember we were all panicking how we were going to do. We were just two months old at Calab. And we at first said, okay, we're going to try this uh, remote work thing. Uh, the president had said, okay, let's work. So we said, let's try three months. And then we realized, you know, we, we were already remote, remote working, quote unquote, because we had very flexi hours. We are a team of young people, especially we're like two people and I just literally turned 40. So uh, we were just like three people over the age of 40, like three. The rest is like under the age of 35. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have like a 19 year old in our team. Um, so we, we realize you're working with young people. So we give, uh, we, we had given flexibility on how you work. You don't have to come to work every day. You, you choose a day with your team where you can work from home. And we have we had already put these mechanisms in place for being able to work from anywhere. So for us, remote work was not a matter of of like we are starting when COVID was, an, when it was announced. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah okay, somebody has moved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when COVID was announced, it was a matter of like, oh, you're already working. We already have all these tools that we have we already put in place. It's a matter of just now having it full-time like slack zoom we already had all these tools in place for remote working and then the team just became really really uh responsible and accountable to each other and that's what really made it amazing so it's it's no longer like i have to clock in eight to five it's a matter of i'm accountable to my teams to be able to deliver if i'm not accountable it's if we one person wins we all win if one one person loses and slacks we all slack and lose so it's just a team accountability and being your your brothers and sisters keeper that has kept us so my, my work is not usually to chase people for delivery it's chase people to talk to each other and make sure that we're not no, nobody's being left behind in terms of conversations that are happening uh within the team yeah um uh, shiko of I'm sure now as the listeners are joining with us on this conversation, um, to the guys in Techie and uh, ICT, you're a rock star. Then there's uh, people like me who, this is the first time we're getting to know about you and your fascinating story. So uh, right at this point of the conversation, I think it would be prudent to maybe tell us a little bit about uh, what Kala, or should we say Nkala, did I get it? Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> who Kala uh, is as a company and what you do. Um, yeah, please do. So Kala is a digital innovation lab. And we're very specific when you say lab, we could call ourselves a company or space. But we call ourselves lab because we want to make sure that we, we tell people innovation is about experimentation and knowing that nothing is perfect. The, the idea of being a lab is that we are always trying out new things. We are already always having an, a hypothesis about something, what technology can do. And I always say technology can do anything. Let's try it out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We throw it away. So we are always in that process of always trying to be creators and innovators without being too much in love with, with, our, um, with our products and making sure that people are able to think beyond having something perfect, perfect, perfected to the T. It's about experimentation. And this is the kind of mindset that we want to take even to corporates that we work with, because we work with corporates in their digital innovation journey and setting up uh, innovation capabilities. We tell them that this is a journey. This is not this is not a place where you're going to hire a vendor and um, 
and then find something perfect that you're going to market. No, this is something we're going to work with you. We're going to work with your users. We're going to work with your staff. We're going to work with everybody to come up with a solution. It's an experimentation. It's a, it's a co-creation process to a place where it is good and it's adding value to your customers. It's about your company being, being always creative because we realize that complacency is, is found in a place of comfort, you know. Uh, so many, many, many companies, many big companies, when they are comfortable, oh yeah, we can be able to predict you're going to make profit, we're going to do this. I mean, every day, this is a well, as they call it, well-oiled machine. Mm -hmm. That's a place of comfort. And guess what? At comfort, you're not, you're not pushed to, 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 to think, uh, to, to, to think about the risk. You know that everybody and every human being, every animal actually, even plants, are, are built with um, with a risk factor that makes you creative. So when you're a place of comfort, you have no idea of what 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 you're doing. So you become complacent. So you're thinking, ah, oh, that startup, it will not affect me. Oh, that that young people, those young people, they don't have enough money to to destabilize us. We have enough money, you know. Either you're a big bank or a big uh, manufacturing organization, you, you actually stop innovating because you're comfortable you're able to predict and if somebody comes you take you bring out your big stick and gonga them you know you're saying i'm big enough i have enough money i'm going mm -hmm. to throw my marketing budget at you and you're going to die what they know what they, they, what they don't know is that soon enough your marketing budget will not be enough to kill something that is adding value to people and I, in this i want to give you an example so we're doing this work with uh, on agtech so we've been spending a lot of time with agronomists that's how that's what we do we spend time time with uh, subject matter experts to understand something deeply we don't just grow things and say oh this is going to work no we are techies we don't we don't kid ourselves so um so we've been spending time with agronomists just to, trying to understand the plant life cycle and i went to this farm and they had these amazing plants and that were flowering i really wanted some of them for my house of course <laughs> i love plants so i said can you come and this guy just pulled and said okay here a few are siblings but don't give it perfect uh, the perfect um environment i'm thinking like excuse me said, yeah <laughs> if you give them a perfect example they're going to flower uh so I'm asking, what do you mean? I mean, I, I want to put them in, into a plant, uh, in, in, into a flower pot, and I want it to grow nicely. And he said, no, no, no. If you give them the perfect conditions, they will never flower. And I'm thinking, what? What do you mean they never flower? I said, flowering is a plant's um, sustainability plant. It's, a, it's a, their survival tactic. So think about it. If you can remember your biology 101 or biology, what do, do pl plants have? They have seeds. And seeds are what? The beginning of the next plant mm -hmm. yeah and it hit me that and he said you, what for, for, for plants for, for plants to flower you have to give them stress they have to be fearful that they are going to be uh exterminated or they're going to just mm -hmm. never going to exist yes and with that fear of we are going to be uh, uh what is the word not what's the word for what, what did dinosaur happen what happened to dinosaur extinction extinction uh, Extinction, yeah. Uh, if the, the fear that we, we are going to get extinct as a plant uh, family Species, yeah. makes, yeah, family, they make the plants actually flower. And that means that sometimes you don't have to give them enough water. Sometimes you don't have to give them, you have to give them too much sun. Sometimes they don't have enough food. 
to like you know you're always for putting flowering fertilizer every time so that you can be nice don't give them in too much fertilizer not too much water don't give them. so they have to grow their d- roots deep and they have to have that fear of being extinct so they can um they can flower and that really gave me like such an aha moment thinking to myself we see beautiful things we see beautiful innovation but do we create the environment to be innovative are we giving us ourselves enough stress to be innovative and many companies so that's that's what why we are we are as Carla trying to give that enough stresses when when you bring us into your company we're not good people we are always pointing out the problems that you have so you get upset with us and at yourself then you start thinking instead of us saying oh you are a beautiful company we love you <laughs> adore you you're going to be successful in 10 years even more successful in 100 but it's a lie when when there are many things that are going out of place so that 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 for us is what we do as scholars help people that on the other hand we help organization we, we we build products we are problem solvers so so we see a problem and go after it and we solve it so we go we we go to we solve problems that are not necessarily problems that you you would call sexy so we always say people want to see to build these products that will give you like a nice headline we'll no beyond the headline what is the actual problem we'll get you get a nice app out of it but are we solving the right problem so for example the gig economy we're all trying to solve for everybody getting a job you know and i will not beat on this because that was my first my my my, my phd actually was around the gig economy i build an, uh, a platform that connected a million people to jobs but but everybody is doing it it's about oh let's connect with these people to jobs but have you looked at the people who are doing the jobs yeah what are the problems they are solving yeah if they get their job what do they do with their money yeah and if you're able to solve for them you're solving for the root cause of the problem because somebody who might get all their money and burn it they end up being in poverty and looking for yet another job yeah um so th- thank you for breaking down what um kala does i'm i'm just wondering um fr- from doing research on 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 you and there's tons of material regarding your career and growth um i i feel like you've come full circle from building your first company uh based on your phd this is this was umeli uh, back in south africa then you you went into a professional career um to the corporate world traversed uh, you know different continents uh, different um technology companies Um, and then you've come back now to you know entrepreneurship um how's that journey been for you H- how did that decision of you getting back into entrepreneurship uh come about and and can you connect a line between your first company back in 2011 this is umeli and kala um how, apart from the fact that they have zulu names uh this more <laughs> so i ha- i always tell people I, i i think i might need to go way way back before my first company and it goes back to the topic around purpose and what, what why do we do the way we think do so what is my why i've always been this geeky kid i've always loved maths and i've always wanted to change the world um but this became more crystal clear when i was in um my undergraduate and i mean i was this kid who was acing my undergraduate and on the other hand I got like an, an internship with UNICEF to go become a peer counselor in Mukuru. And being in Mukuru, you can imagine I'm I'm meeting this 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 girls we are age mates literally. I was 22, 23. And I'm seeing them, they have three kids. They are dying of HIV. 
And I'm looking at them, I'm thinking, what will this maths help them with? Like, literally, I kept asking myself, like, I love maths, I love computing, but how will this help them? And it really, really bothered me. I remember my 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 career counselor in, in college asking me, what happened at this stage of your life? Because something did happen, because my grades did just fall a little bit down. And I told them because I had like a quarter life crisis, because I, I looked at these women and I'm thinking they are, they are basically me in a different context because if you look back in my life I was actually born in, Ma- in Madare yeah mm-hmm. but by the grace of God I am where I am so having known my background I couldn't wonder what made me different or special more than these girls they are smart I mean when you talk to them they are very smart so it's not about being smart I always say uh, we, there are many, many smart people. And I always say it's by the grace of God. But I always say you can't have been given so much opportunity for you to just be about yourself. It is about you you, you using your life to open opportunities for other people. So, so at that point, I got very clear about what my, my why is. My why is about connecting people to opportunities and using technology became clear. is because I always wanted to connect people to opportunities. But technology is my, my what, with what, yeah? Mm-hmm. And given that, I, I, I had that burning, burning need to do something very substantial using technology with my life. Even when I was looking for graduate school, I was looking for a graduate school program that would actually help me like combine those because I didn't know how to do it. Remember, this is was when, when I finished, I finished college in 2004, 2005. This is, was before, before all these Everything was on the internet. So I was trying to look for a program that would help me combine technology and um, and, and development into one. So I, I really looked. And funny enough, is the program I got to, I was among the first people who graduated with that, with IC for development. So for, for me, it was just that search for being able to do uh, good and being able to change the world, move the needle. Uh, using technology. So that's what I pursued for my, my graduate school. So mainly for me was, I spent a year, almost a year and a half in Kailicha. Kailicha is the equivalent of Kibera in South Africa, trying to understand how do people live? How can we use technology and internet specifically to help them live a better, more fulfilled life? And for me, that's how it started with Umeli. And I remember having a conversation with my 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 my, my PhD advisor, and I said when 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 Google approached me, uh, Google called me a couple of times for, for to get a job, and I was like very resistant to them because I was thinking Google is this big company, people like me don't work at Google. You know, I didn't I didn't have anybody I knew who looked like me, um, even remotely who worked at Google. That was how bad it was. And then to make it worse, the only one person who I knew who worked for Google was somebody who had graduated maybe a year ahead of me at, at UCT. And I, we were not very alike. Like, yeah, it was this white tall boy. Uh, yeah, we were not alike at all. The complete opposite. And opposite can be. So when I was thinking, why, why would Google want to hire somebody like me? Um, and I remember my advisor telling me, you know, you have nothing to lose by working for Google. The best thing that can happen to you is that you will learn. If you don't like it, uh, you will, you will, you can quit. And then I met Steve. Steve was an, was the director of UX um, at in Europe and Africa when I was joining. And I remember uh, telling uh, Steve, I'm, I'm conflicted about Google. 
because I, I, I don't see my place at Google because I am this African girl. Everybody I meet at Google went to Stanford. They are working on these things that, that don't, you know, I'm not passionate about. Can I please work in Africa? And I remember I had like an amazing boss called Sean and having this conversation with them. And I tell them, can I please work for Africa? Can I work on an African project? Can I please, please not work on something that like Google ads or mobile ads? I was very clear that I never want to work in the ads team. Um, and with that, with that, I remember Steve telling me, Shiko, and I told him about Umeli, the way Umeli had been successful. Like Umeli got to a million users because it was solving a really specific problem around jobs for young people in Africa. And I told him, this is what I've been able to do because I'm very passionate about the continent. He told me, you know what you do? He said to me, how many people in Kenya? I said, oh, 40 million, very confidently. And then uh, he told me, how many people in Africa? I said, well, at that point, I think we were just a billion. Uh, I said, about a billion. And he told me, you know what Google will teach you? Google will teach you not to solve for a million, not to solve for 40 million, but to solve for, for a billion people. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you guys, mm-hmm. when somebody tells you, you know, there's one thing saying I can build a product for a thousand, a hundred people. And then me had gotten to that point where I've, I've already sold for a million people. Yeah. But when somebody tells you, this is an opportunity for you to learn to solve a billion people, your brain opens up. Like a billion is a lot of zeros. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, and, and, and so for, my, for me, my, my, my billion became Africa. I said, I want to solve for Africa. And I, I got to be able to learn how to build this. I was able to, to work on projects from scratch to market a number of cycles. And that really gave me a lot of confidence and a lot of knowledge on how do you get a product from idea to market. The different uh, stages, the different uh, politics that you have to go through. So I was just being prepared for the future. Let me tell you where. Hey, uh, someone would say, let me tell you minor. Uh, so, um, so for me, that, 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 that process of being prepared was very important because what, what Umeli taught me was you can actually do this chick. You know, you can actually change the world using technology. But now you have to learn how to do it properly. Yeah? Because doing it properly actually will um, fast track you to getting there, understanding the nitty-gritties of it. And I feel for me that even as I reflect right now, is that what happened is Umeli was very good at telling me this, is, this can be done. So you're going into the world knowing with the knowledge that it can be done. It's not, it is not a try and error. It is, it can be done. Now go and get your, your, your sword sharpened. As my pastor would say, go out there, get your sword sharpened, go and learn how to run a proper company, how to, I mean, how a big company, like a tech company. And that's why I started with, like, I always say that's why God allowed me to start with Microsoft and Google is go and learn how like proper research is done at Microsoft research. Microsoft research is the best, a research company in the world. I with without fail, mm-hmm. nobody else done does research as good as Microsoft Research hands down. So I got to work with the best of scientists in research. Then I got to work with the best innovators at Google. Like really, really people Google taught me that no I cannot put um a ceiling to anything I'm thinking. Just go as wild as possible, then come back to okay as wild as possible but you're starting at point A. Yeah. So for me, that was very important. And then AFDB taught me that you can actually work with governments and how do governments to be able to get buy-in that. Because if you don't work with governments, getting that buy-in uh, from them is very important. Getting buy-in from, to get to have, for you to have any technology innovation at scale, 
you must have technology where government buy in and understanding how governments work what was AFDB that was AFDB taught me and Safaricom was my first company to work in Africa in in Kenya yeah so it taught me how things work in Kenya <laughs> let me tell you um Mayna. so it it taught me eh? let me tell you Maina mm. it taught me I, like I learned a lot about it and I proved to, you know in in Kenya's perspective Safaricom is a big company and being able to set up a whole organization with a, within a big company and for it to be successful because alpha was successful no matter who tells you what i know the story i was the story i it was successful we built an amazing team that other organizations across the country started copying what we were doing and they are successful and saying we don't have to import engineers and software engineers and designers from outside the country because we have these capabilities in the country because alpha did it and safaricom did it for me that is a success in showing that we catalyzed this whole movement in the country and that that gave me that that foundation and strength that i can do i can do this in in the country and still be successful because you know you you because you've done it outside does not mean you can have the same success when you're in the country because the the environment is a little bit different but because i was able to do it here it was able and safaricom gave me that foundation of saying you can do it in kenya you can do it in safaricom you can do it in kenya and you can do it in the continent and for me that 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 being having my sword sharpened you by corporate by by working in corporate help me now when i'm doing color i i am much more wiser much more understanding and much more smarter in how i approach things so right now i have a we have we work with government we have private sector clients we have non-profit clients and because i've worked with any one of them i usually have the, that like guiding voice to the team saying when you're working with these guys this, this is how you work with them this is how you work on research this is how you work on innovation and i'm hoping that by doing that i'm putting a bit of my dna to all of them that in 10 years many of them will have gone out and started their own companies and being and become massively successful and that that for me is just my journey saying that i the beginning was god showing me it can be done i had to go through this refining process of getting my my my, my sword sharpened and now with color is now getting the sword to work being able to to do, do those things that i've done as my as one of my advisor told me you've done all of this now you have everything that you need to be successful in running your own company and i believe so and i thank god for where we are yes oh that's a beautiful journey that's quite a fascinating story and um it feels like um building teams is is not really new to you so where you are now at kala um is well you've told us about how it's been um building these teams but now when you look out for who you're partnering with who you're giving work who you're collaborating with apart from just being a brilliant coder or someone with a very innovative mind what 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 do you look for for these people as you're choosing your your team attitude hands down so i always say i can teach you anything yeah no matter what your age Yeah I I I'm that confident that if you're passionate about something I can teach you anything but I cannot teach you good manners and your character <laughs> and your attitude yeah so those are things that many people ignore they say oh you know you can be like a really brilliant person in terms of your skill set but if you're not able to learn if you're not able to adjust and be agile and be able to learn that life is growth you 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 always be 
hitting your chest and telling everybody I'm really brilliant and good at this, but you're not you're not actually adding value to yourself and to the company. I want somebody who is curious enough to say, what, what is the research team doing? Can I go and see? Can I do a, a, a stint with them for three weeks and see? Or somebody who is in research. I have this brilliant girl called Caroline. She's a researcher. Yani, she's done research for seven years or eight years of her career. And she joined our team. She was so curious about what is this UX thing? What is this data thing? So, so she's taking all these classes and she's like, oh, I, I'm taking class on UX to just understand what it is about. And that's the kind of attitude you want because you know that you'll never be left like, um, what is it called? You'll never be be left uh, we, without a skill set. If, if there's never going to be a gap in your team because people are always trying to learn something new and if there's a gap, somebody's going to drop in. Even if they've just learned three or four Coursera courses, they're able to learn something new. And, and, and come with that and bring that to the team. So for me, it's not just about ability, it's just how you, you work with people. For me, I say, I get a lot of energy from being around people. And not everybody's like me, I'm, I'm, I'm a sanguine and choleric, yeah? So I get a lot of energy from people. Mm-hmm. But you might not be like me, but you need to be able to understand that your biggest asset is people, not your skill set. And skill set become redundant. I always say my PhD, what I learned in my PhD became redundant a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It's the skill set I learned, being able to be agile and grow and learn that has helped me like become where I am today. And that's what I want to see in a person. And I always get it from people. Somebody is able to take initiative or say, can I try that out? And they might not know anything. I always get people say, can I try it out? I say, well, go ahead and try. Because I say, somebody who is willing to try, somebody who is willing to fail. And somebody who is willing to fail, somebody who is always willing to learn. Yeah, and that that is my my thing. That's what I do interview, interviews for. I don't I don't ask people to code. We can teach you to code yeah. in anything. Right? Yeah. yeah, the capacity to learn. Um, I want to circle back a bit on, on on your time at Alpha because uh, yeah. that was a huge task. You you coming in um into a large enterprise in Kenya and you're charged with building um an innovate an in, like a products lab, if you may. Um, I I think that's my understanding of what Hot Alpha was. Um, within a big organization. How, how was that experience for you in, in terms of the different challenges? Um, what are some of the things that you were able to achieve? And, and what are some of the lessons that um, you took to help you um, propel towards you, your next phase, which is building color? So I can't speak about everything that happened at Alpha because I, I as much as there's a lot of like bad things happened, uh, I still respect Safaricom and I still, I'm always good at saying I respect leadership. Um, but also I can speak of what I, what we did. So when, when I got that call, <laughs> I remember get, getting that call and said, uh, can't work for Safaricom. We all know, uh, what Safaricom is in terms of corporate political. Me, I'm a worker. I work. I don't like, I, I will not go around trying to get somebody to like me. I want some, my work to be able to speak for me. And I mean, and, and I know I've spoken to many people say that is not how life is about, about like you are speaking to me. I'll actually argue against that because for me, so far, life has proven that if you do really, really good work, excellence speaks for itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll come to that. Uh, so when I got that call and I was like, I remember no, not happening. I don't want that job. And then I remember Kamal actually just saying, okay, can we just have coffee? Because uh, we need to have this actual conversation together. Yeah. And, um, sorry, Shiko, sorry uh, to cut you short. Would, would you tell our audiences who Kamal is? Oh, Kamal was the chief innovation officer uh, 
at 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 Safaricom at that point. Okay. And and he calls me and say, please come, let's just have coffee and let's just have a conversation about this. And I'm like, okay, let's come on somebody I respect. He tried hiring me into IBM and I turned him down. So he was I he always used to tell me I was I was not going to be surprised if he turned me down, but this is something I he wanted to work with me on. So I I want to say, Kamal, I, I can't do politics. I don't do corporate politics at all. Yeah. So you, you know, I will not do this job well. Sid. So he, he told me, don't worry, you'll not be anywhere near Safaricom, the mothership. So, so I, what I liked about it is he acknowledged that, okay, Sawa, we understand there's politics, but we'll not expose you to it. We'll protect you from it. You can go and build this this organization. He's all, he's, he had known me for like five years at that point. We're going to go and build this 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 world changing organization and machine that you've always wanted to do. And I okay, so it, I took some time and thought about it, and um, then I met Bob. And Bob, I remember Bob. We had this conversation, and I, this will always stay with me. He asked me why I'm doing this. I said because I want to really change the world. And we had he had the, a telescope. Yeah, I think they're called telescopes uh, in his office, and he's, he 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 told me, you see what. What I like about Safaricom is you see the telescope, I look at it and I see just beyond Nairobi. He could see around, he had a telescope in a very nice vantage place in his office. And so you see from Safaricom, we can actually change the world because we can do something that can, has a, can have a ripple effect across the world. And that really, really touched me. And he told me something, I, I, told, me, I, I, I told him my fear was this politics thing. And he told me, don't worry about that. And in fact, he told me, if I ever hear you have aligned, aligned is the famous word in pol- in, pol- in corporate politics, meaning that <laughs> we agree on something or that 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 I'll, I'll gain something from it. He said, if I ever hear you've aligned, you're fired. And I'm thinking, oh, good. I've gotten it from the, because I'm not an aligning person. Mm-hmm. I always say, if I'm, if I'm convinced of this, I, you see, you, you're convinced of your opinion, but if you give me different facts, I'll change my opinion. But until you give me alternative facts, not alternative, true facts, I'm, I'm not going to change my opinion on something, especially if I've done my homework on it and I understand what I'm talking about. And, I, and when, when Bob told me that, I said, okay, Sawa, I'm going to sign this contract. And I went ahead and signed the contract. To be honest, and so I had this power to to do to build an, an organization. So I remember having a meeting with the HR and they are giving me the team structure. And I'm saying, uh, uh, this is not actually a product development team. This is, I'm not sure what this is because they didn't have engineers factored in. They didn't have UX factored in. In fact, Safaricom had never hired a UX person. They didn't even have a UX organization when I joined. So I'm trying to convince them UX. I said, well, what is UX? Graphic design. I said, no, 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 no. You're offending us people who build products. UX is not about graphics or UI. UX is understanding who your user is and understanding what what, what, what value you should be adding to their life. And because I became this campaign, I had to write a whole paper, like literally write a paper to convince the organization to hire, uh, to set up a UX organization and, and allow me to hire people. Because UX people, really good ones, are not cheap. Um, then convince the organization, okay, now we have, we have we are we are, we are getting to the to the line on on UX. Can we now start hiring also engineers? And I'm thinking, oh, not enough engineers in Kenya who can do this. So I'm thinking, excuse me, um, I'm sure I have been around this ecosystem while not actively like being there there because I was away. But I know the capability we have in this country. I am I'm a 
I'm a fruit of this country, a product of this, of this, of this ecosystem. I can find you engineers. And being very convinced about it, the conviction actually is, I think, what convinced them more than actually them believing they're enough engineers. So they give me this way of hiring engineers. So remember, I'm just setting up this team. Uh, so I had to get like Kagonia out of Australia and convince her, please come home, please come home for three months. And then she agreed and built a whole team around her for UX, for UX team a products team, an engineering team, getting data scientists. I mean, all these things falling in place. And to be honest, I'm very proud. We had, we had an excellent, amazing, world-class team um, with Alpha. And I, I feel like those, those first, that first year, we had a lot of like, let's wait and see attitude towards people because most people didn't believe uh, what you were saying was true. So they expected us to fail and we, we didn't fail. And then we started actually not churning out stuff. And I remember when we were just before before Alpha actually was set up, we, I, I had gotten some engineers, I'd gotten some people. I remember uh, sitting down, sitting us sitting down in Java Adams, um, not at ABC place, and trying to think what would be our first flagship pro project. And he said, "Think we need to think about data and what will data and people tell us." So he said, "Like when we joined, we started looking at." What is data telling us about Safaricom? Safaricom is a social network. And when you think about it, it's Safaricom can actually connect people using voice and SMS, but also on the other hand, it is a payments network using MPES. How do we combine this into a super network? And the idea of Bonga, we called it Bonga from the very beginning because it was supposed to be a conversational uh, payment platform. And it came up, and I remember we, we on 2017, we did have Christmas. I didn't have Christmas in 2017, because we wanted to, to, to have a quick um, hanging fruit to launch in January. Because you see, when you start something like, uh, this was my third round in doing Innovation Lab, so I knew you have to have like a quick win. A quick um, win. So we, we, we wanted to do this first and get something out and test it. But also, we, I, I learned a long time ago, excellence is something very important because you cannot, you, you, you cannot uh, what, compromise on, on security on some things because you want to get something out. It has to be ugly and dirty, but also has to make sure that it's secure enough. So but when we were going to launch, I think in January, we found there was a, like a small security thing. So we had to scrap the whole thing and start again. But anyway, we, we got Zoop out by April. I mean, it's bang, it was bong at that point. And we got like the most amazing response from the market. I remember uh, my friends at, at, at Google and Facebook calling and say, ah, 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 chick. Now we used to think Safaricom is this small uh, East African company that one day might be bought by one of us. But you guys, by building that bonga thing has shaken what we thought about Africa. And that for me was such a big affirmation because, you know, when I was joining Safaricom, I had an offer from Facebook and, 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 um, and, and then Safaricom, and I chose Safaricom. So when somebody from Facebook, and a couple of people from Facebook calls me and tell me, oh, this thing that you guys have just launched is actually shaking people here because if it becomes successful, you can push us out of the market and you can do you can do better because you have this payment thing already inbuilt in such a seamless way. And so for me, Bonga getting out and then we had, we, we had other Bonga, the first version, and then we had Bonga, the second version coming out in 20 in, in I think 2018, August. And then we had to rebrand it into Zoop because yeah, because this is, this is where things became really tough for us. You, we realized that we actually build world-class products when, when TechCrunch is always calling you, asking you when is the next release because they want to const constantly cover what you guys are doing was amazing affirmation because we are now competing, not 
not just Kenya, we are competing globally and making Safaricom becoming this global company is what Bob had wanted from the very beginning. And for us, that is what actually was the push. And the team was very excited. We used to work flexibly, but we work long hours. There's not a single day I left the office before 8 p.m. 8 p.m. was like, okay, guys, I want to go home before my child goes to sleep because I have to see him before I sleep, before he sleeps. And he sleeps about 8.30. So I had to leave the office. I never at once left the office before 8 o'clock, worked really long hours. And not because we were being pushed, it's because we were really passionate about what we were doing. And it was amazing. It was a, an amazing experience for us. It was an amazing uh, team building and just seeing the energy in the team. What it found to me and, and to the world, to be honest, is that there's world-class talent in Africa. There's world-class uh, talent in Kenya. And you see, this was before even ADC, the uh, Africa Development Center by Microsoft was here. So it was a one-woman one ca campaign and crusade saying that we have good engineers in Kenya. And then when ADC happened, I, cr I literally cried tears because I realized that it's no longer one person screaming there's enough great world-class talent in Africa. It has been affirmed by a great technology giant coming and setting up an, a, and their development center and hiring engineers from, from, uh, from uh, what is it called, from, from Kenya. And good thing, it's, ADC has absorbed a huge, huge chunk of what was alpha. And I'm really, really excited about that because it affirmed that it is not just a matter of somebody saying something, it's about the market and time. I always say time is such a phenomenal thing that God created because time validates uh, validates hypotheses, heals, and, and enables people to see the truth. So right now when we see some of the things that we built and 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 uh, came up with at Alpha being launched by Safaricom, you always say like, yeah, I mean, we were right three years ago. It was just a matter of time for you to get around knowing that it was the right move to do it. My, for me, 2020 was such um, a good year for everything that we had come up with at Alpha. I can't speak about it, but there are many things that we had built at Alpha and come up with at Alpha pri prior to 2020 that would have been perfectly uh, timed and suited for 2020. And people, even people within Safari can come and say, I wish we had put that thing in place because look at it right now. It would have just been perfect for this timing. But you see, time and a pandemic helped to a lot of my teammates because we were a family and I had to work with them, like get them to a point of it is not you, you're not a failure. It is a failing system and in acknowledging that some, some, things, some things will never work out the way you want. But you just have to acknowledge that it is not about, it is not you who failed. We did well. You didn't fail. But and when now when these things are being launched, they always send me texts and said, oh, you are right. We were actually in a good place. We actually did a, an amazing job. But you have to give it time and space mm -hmm. and not take things personally. And that's the one thing I've learned myself as Shiko is you, forgiving, forgiving along, allowing time also allows you to forgive and heal and not take things personally. Because if you take things personally, you can might react. And if you react then when you're being validated, you might have already out undone the good things that you are, that time will have validated that happened. So right now, everybody has egg on their face as they're launching everything that we built because yeah. we were right all along. 
yeah. it's a matter of time. It is indeed. Um, speaking of the guys at Alpha, now on a personal level, are you still in touch with uh, the Afia Mafia? Alpha Mafia, yes. Alpha Mafia. We, I have, yes, uh, absorbed some of them to color. So uh, we have a good chunk at color. We have a good chunk at um, at the ADC and the Microsoft Research in Africa. Uh, we have a good chunk. Uh, just before I left Alpha, when, when this drama started, I called my friends all like it's good to have like an um social credit i called people across the startup world and i said can you absorb three people because i'm not allowing this book to walk around nairobi and employ it so i i know where most people are at least i everybody landed well and i am yes i'm always in touch with them i write their reference letter their recommendation letters i'm very proud of where they are from like we had very young data scientists to were very hurt by the process. We are now like mid-level scientists in, in in leading banks in Kenya. So I I am very proud of what of the of what the people are doing themselves. I can't say yeah. everybody is doing really, really well. And I'm really grateful about that and being part of their lives until this day. We still go to weddings. So I'm really excited about just seeing them growing. And in the next five years, seeing how many of them have set up their own companies and grown to be what we call the alpha mafia. Yeah. Um, such a glittering professional career. Um, you, you mentioned a few things that you picked up inten- by design and intentionally from um, the decisions that you made along your career. So learning how to work with innovators at Google, um, working to do proper research and, and how to um, design, hypothesize, experiment uh, at Microsoft Research, how to work with governments at AFDB. Um, what are some of the other lessons that you picked up along the way in the last 10 years um, that you find indispensable as now you build your own next billion dollar company and, and very impactful one while at that at Color? I think working with people, this is not a skill set that you will learn, like you sit down in class or you do. When The moment you realize that people are your most invaluable asset, then your your mind, mind, mind shift changes. Because I've worked with bosses who feel like you're here to make me look good, yeah? And uh, if you look a slightly better than me, you are a threat, and I want nothing to absolutely nothing to do with you. I worked with people who don't invest in people at all. And investing in people is ensuring that somebody has the stuff that need, they need to be productive, but also being able to understand that people are human beings. And that is what that that what catches me the most is that we 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 get to know people or we are forced to know people when something sudden happens to their lives, yeah? When they lose a loved one, then that's when it's such a guy, oh, let's say, send somebody, oh, an accident happens, and you're looking, oh, who's their next of kin, yeah? But what about that human part of it? Just getting to know people. How are you? How, how many, do you have kids? How many kids do you have? You know, and allowing people to, uh, to bring them this whole self to work. And I remember everywhere I worked, apart from the bank, <laughs> is everybody brought, like, we, you would come with your dreadlocks and your shorts, and nobody will judge you, provided you can be able to deliver. I understand your fashion sense is very different from mine. I'm okay with that. Being able to okay with that. Uh, being able to not put down my beliefs on you. I always say I'm a 
confessing born again Christian. Yeah. I pray and everybody who knows me around me know we pray. I pray a lot. I pray at work. I pray everywhere. But that does not mean that I discriminate on anybody's beliefs. Yeah. I, I remember having a fight with somebody because I wanted to hire an LGBT person. And this person was like, excuse me? Said, yeah, I thought we were talking about diversity and inclusion. And I'm saying, how, I would say, how will people know God's love if we don't accept them the way they are and the way they present themselves? Yeah, if, if you have another belief system or they th you think they should be other different, you demonstrate them and let them see your, your way is better than theirs without without having discriminated against them, yeah? And if they, if they don't do that, if they, if they don't see your ways is better, just love on them, accept people the way they are. And that for me is the biggest lesson I've learned is that being able to accept people the way they are, being able to work with people as human beings, not as robots to produce for you, being able to understand that. And I think I, two days ago I was telling my, my brother is the one thing I've learned like in traffic when I meet people at entrances, you know, when you're going to a new building mm -hmm. or at, at a reception, please guard your heart because people come with so much drama from home. Don't allow it to rub it on upon you. So in traffic, when somebody is mad and they're pointing at you, just smile and wave and let them drive away. If they want to pass, just let them. Because people are coming with so much bitterness and anger from wherever they are and understanding that that is what is happening to them makes you a, a, a better person in relating to them so when somebody speaks to you rudely that's my polesana madam yeah you know those watches polesana because that woman might have just left their child at home she doesn't have a nanny she has to come in work because that child has to eat and you are giving them a hard time by saying id you know just just being more conscious about other people's uh, point of view is very, very important. So I have learned that that's why I don't allow people's drama to get to me. I don't allow people's anger to get to me. And in that way, because I do that way, I always acknowledge that there's something happening in individual life that is determining how you are reacting to me or re reacting in this situation. And if men, if all people were like this, it would be it will help people because when somebody is coming to work, they might have fought their husband with their husband in the morning. They might be going through a bitter divorce that people are, um, are, are embarrassed on talking about. They don't want the, world, the whole world to know. They're going through an abuse or their mother is sick or something is happening in their life that when they come to work, you, you're just expecting them to do work, but they have all this other stuff in their mind that you're not conscious about, but you expect them to work in a certain way. Yeah? yeah. So I'm always very conscious about that. And for me, that is the best skills, skill I've learned that cause I can, I can run any team. I can run, uh, uh let me pick a, a something that I, I might not be able to do. I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of, of like an industry I, I have never worked in. I can go and work with those people without understanding what skills that they have. By just saying, I'm going to work with you as independent human being. And the most important thing, and I always tell this to my manager, is you lead a team, you manage individuals. You lead a team, you have, you know, they used to call me a cheerleader in chief at, um, <laughs> at Alpha. Yeah. So you cheer everybody up, you make sure that they're happy, but you make sure you're conscious about the individuals and where they are. So you manage people, you take people to coffee and ask them, what are you doing? What's happening? Nina Fanika. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have that emotional uh, editability to know that this person is not well. I need to cheer everybody up without letting them know that everybody, I, I know, but then tapping them and saying, what's happening in your life? 
how can we how can i be of help if you're able to talk talk to me if you can't take a day off yeah and it will not it will not uh, affect how i how i perceive you and that's why i have become friends with many of the people i've worked with who have been in my team yeah ah that's beautiful yeah uh, one remark I, you you're very consistent across um how you describe yourself and how you relate with other people because you describe yourself as passionate and compassionate and and just from um you sharing with us how you go about life and and some of the lessons you've picked up and apply then that comes out very very clearly um w- well when when someone thinks of um a coder or someone in ICT you'd think of someone very not people oriented but from your story especially from uh, a leadership angle you're clearly very people oriented um and in sharing your story a couple of times you have mentioned god yeah and um mm. you've even told us and shared that uh, your belief system is around being a christian and all so maybe i feel this is a time to segue into now the more personal stuff uh, what, what what's your relationship with with god and this is using uh, christianity we do is it first of all uh, does it have something to do with you growing up uh, in a house where christianity was a big deal or is it something that you decided to cling on to at a later in life you being a christian and your belief in god and, and talk about um how you describe the your api with god you you've mentioned that in 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 a conversation somewhere so so for me it is it's a combination of things yes my my both my parents are pastors so i brought, i was brought up in a pastor's house and as we know being brought up in a pastor's house does not always lead to you living a christian life for me my relationship with god is very personal there are things about my life that I cannot explain other than it's by the grace of God. And that's why I have a passionate God. I I I have the kind of relationship with God is that is I would say is very intimate to a point place where I I I confide on anything and anything. Even just before I started this this conversation I said God, please let me be of use to you during this conversation. That's what I do because I always I realized a long time ago is that I'm a walking uh I'm a I'm a walking testimony I'm a billboard for God my life is a billboard for God and you know whether I acknowledge it or not or speak about it or not people will always look at me and judge and people will always look at me and um and may and infer an opinion and I would love that that opinion be something positive they might not end up being christians they might not end up being on the same belief system as me but they may, i want the love of god to be passed through from just coming across me whether on an article in a podcast like this in an interview whether coming across me like in a meeting or in a matatu whatever you come across where you very come across me is i want it to be say that i i showed grace to you as i've been shown grace i showed some love to you some compassion to you because we might christianity is many things but 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 the the truest um form of christianity is loving people yeah and showing them compassion yeah being very clear that 
people are made by the image of God, no matter who they are. So that for me is very, very important. And that 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 defines who I am, defines my leadership, my, my leadership skill, I mean, my leadership style, and that defines who I am. In terms of API, I, I, I don't know if many people in, um, in, um, in, in uh, the listeners understand API. API is um, application programming interface. This is how your phone is able to talk to Google or to Facebook or to all these people. It's just an, a small technology that is put between apps and big systems to be able to talk to each other. And for me, it's those small prayers. I have these multiple connections with God, no matter where. So for me, it's just that single whispered prayer that says, God, please use me when I'm going into this podcast that whatever I say may may what is it called may may bring you glory and may be edifying to somebody yeah and for me that that quick connection with god always connected with god is 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 how i connect and for for taking my that might be the api my being able to lord i'm connected to you on this speak through me to these people yeah yeah the api call um shiko are there times when you believe in god um, has been tested. And, and the reason I ask this is because, like you said, the, the goal of this podcast is to provide lessons from people like you to other people where, you know, they can learn and, and hopefully um, use some of those lessons to, you know, improve their lives and, um, you know, have a better tomorrow. So are, are there times when um, this belief in God has been tested and, and how have you dealt with that? Many times, boy. Uh, in the past three years, <laughs> it has been tested so many times. The times back, I, I, and this is the importance of. I everybody has. I always say God has unique relationships with each one of us because we all created very uniquely. So I, I have this kind of relationship and say, I mean, God, up with many let down, up You know, like that's the kind of relationship I have, and like. There are many times, like in the last three years, we have told God, like, honestly, how how would you allow that to happen when you know I am called by your name? Mm-hmm. Yeah? And because of that, it really takes a toll on me just having those arguments. And because I'm a logical person, I'm, I'm a scientist in my head, I every... Choice has an, um, an e- every action has an equal and opposing reaction. And choices have consequences. So that's how my brain works. I always say, if, if, if you do this, this has to happen. But what God has taught me is that not necessarily how my brain works is how the world works out, yeah? And it's by grace. We live mostly by grace and mercy, yeah? So things might not work out the way they are. Your plans might not happen the way they are. Uh, the the, the, the plans may not work out the way they should. Yeah. And yes, it is okay to be disappointed with God. And this is the one thing that people people ignore. People we ignore in our relationship with God, we ignore our human feelings and we want it to be all ro- uh, nice and rosy when you're relationship with God. No. It is okay to tell God up with trauma. I am extremely disappointed <laughs> with you. And being very vocal about it. And allowing God to defend himself, yeah? Because he said, he, the Bible actually does, does say we can challenge God, ask me, question me, and he will be able to defend himself, yeah? And I, 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 
and for me that it's that growth of being able i'm not embarrassed in saying i'm not going to sit down with mochungu and be frustrated and at some point getting um what's the word i'm looking for um i have a bitter with god uh it i i, I become very open and see apo umechoma apo i'm disappointed i really wanted this thing to work out in a certain way it didn't i don't know and let me tell you when when you when you say it out and if you go to therapy because i go to therapy I always say therapy is good for everybody when you say it out and you, you talk about it somehow it's out of your system first of all and then you start thinking about it differently and you you end up giving an answer and yes the point of being disappointed might not take being taken away but the reason for the disappointment might actually come clearer or you might be okay end up being okay with that disappointment you're getting my point is yeah. like okay it didn't happen it has not been resolved but i'm okay with it yeah and so god will never give you answers for everything that you're asking for and being okay with that is something important but being able to tell god up and be quite disappointed is also okay and and i always tell people don't don't you're not surprising god is not at his sitting there in heaven with angels angel gabriel and and, and calling abraham and saying hey hapo ivo tukot mefikiria no there's no like a committee in heaven being shocked about what has happened to you know happened that way he's god and by you telling him that is acknowledging is good for you and also being able to let him know that apa ivi sikopoa Yeah. yeah yeah and being able to be with it that is what I always say and that's my the kind of relationship I have with God amazing amazing um w- one of the things that I hope our audience is our audience learns from you is um that ability to reconcile logic with God uh because uh, I feel like it's always very hard if you're a very logical person a critical thinker um to um, you know have that mind shift and and think from a spiritual point of view um and then you're able to do that as as you've just described and um, yeah that that's a lesson for everyone to learn especially for people who are believers and and especially in times of trial it is indeed it mm. is indeed um you've mentioned uh, therapy and um for most christians at least we know janning on this choice of belief would mean janning with someone who's uh, maybe a priest or a pastor to hold your hand to guide you and you coming from a family where your parents are pastors um do you have people in your life who you intentionally bring into your circle to hold your hand when you need or whenever you need to to share uh, because it feels like you're this person to a lot of people but who are these people to you so i actually have like a group of women i call the board of sisters so you know <laughs> the way in, in your company if you have like you're doing corporate governance in corporate governance you you always asked always have a a, a board mm. um a board of directors or an advisory board or something like corporate governance requires you to have somebody that you're accountable for yeah, yeah? so We are always being asked if your company you want it to be successful you have to put like board of board of directors and an advisory board to help you like um what is called uh, navigate the the storms of um, of doing business or somebody who can give you advice connect you to the right people whatever all those things why don't we do this with our lives yeah, yeah. why don't we have these people so 
I, I, I set it up like it, initially it was very informal. I'll, I'll have somebody who I speak to about career, about my spiritual life, my, my therapies, my, my peers, and I always have somebody who's younger than me in that cycle. Because I always say sometimes we lose plot because you're always looking up instead of looking across uh, and looking down. So I have, I have this group of women, they're called my, my board of sisters. So pretty much, uh, I think they cover most of my life. So I always say you have somebody who is who connects with you spiritually. So I have my pastor, and she's a woman who is in that group. I have my therapist. She's a trained shrink. So uh, so she's trained in this. I, I have a woman who's who's very senior in um in corporate world. She's she she has many years of experience. She could easily be my mother. Uh, she's in that group. I have um, I have my sister. I have two of three of my good friends. My ch- a childhood friend, a friend I made in college, a friend I made I I, I made in adulthood, and I have I, I have a who has been in my life because she's much younger than me, who I've groomed into, who he's who's a mentee, but also from whom I learn a lot from. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I have this like group of women who are around me who are always like nudging me, correcting me, give me tough love, you know, and they're called board of sisters because of, of that. Instead of board of, uh, of, uh, of directors, they're board of sisters because they are women who touch and add into my life. They connect me to the right opportunities. They give me advice. They cry with me. Yeah. So they, um, they're very transparent to me because, and I'm trying to, I try, it's up to me to be transparent to them. So they can be helpful to me. It's in the same way in a company. If you're not transparent to your board, they cannot be able to help. That's why we have uh, what is it called board meetings because you can, we have the board has to be told what's happening in the day-to-day management of the company. They don't need to know, but the big decisions that are happening in your life, let them know. If it's a very specific thing, you reach out to one of them and ask them, "Can you help me with thinking this through?" But and that's what I have in my life. I have these women. It's not one woman. It's many women. Because life is complex. If you put all that heaviness on one person, they might crack and run away from you. So I have I've spread it among these women. And there's like even a WhatsApp group for this, by the way. So I'm very serious about it. It's because yeah. I, I realize that if I don't have this, I won't be accountable to anybody. If I'm not accountable to anybody, I'm not accountable to God. I'm just living my life. Then you you get depressed and gets these funny sicknesses because you, you're thinking nobody cares. And there's lots of people who care about you outside your family, actually. Yeah. 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 A couple of follow-up questions. One is, um, other than uh, you know, having this board of um, sisters, um, you, you definitely uh, are very intentional in terms of how you design your life. What are some of the other things that you do on a day-to-day basis that are quite habitual that you've designed very intentionally um, to keep you going and to ensure that um, um, you know, you're improving and you're keeping busy being born. Um, if they are, um, we'd be interested to hear some of them. So I pray. So, I, so the one thing I learned because of this, I work in technology. That's my life every day. So what, what I have learned is that the first thing I wake up and do is I pray and meditate. I don't touch my phone. So people are usually very upset is, but I sent you a message like at 6.30. I said, uh, I, I try as much as possible not to touch my phone before 8 o'clock because the moment I touch it, I'll see a million things that will take off my mind from being set. Because those that first hour or two where I'm just 
doing other things that rather than looking at my phone are very important to me because they get me centered. I'm not flustered. I'm not seeing Siju who has Corona or what Twitter is telling me today. I'm Trump, Siju who, you know, you get, you get to consume all this like mixed up information that your brain wakes up mis- mixed up. So I try my best that the first thing in the morning is I wake up and pray. I am, I am reading through the Bible. I read through the Bible. Like, I'm very intentional about the, that 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 first uh, session of my morning is that I I pray I, I pray with my child you know like I am very intentional in that when I wake up I also run mm-hmm. I've not run because I had COVID they've told me to to hold on to the running until my lungs are not coughing anymore but I want to go to go back to running so I also run I try and run seven kilometers every day for five days a week. Uh, and that helps me. Running is uh, my way of managing tension and stress and just getting my, my blood moving and also, also getting feed. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's my other thing. Uh, so those are my two things that I do on a regular basis and I read. Um, I like reading a lot because I feel like, you know, sometimes you can empty yourself because you're just giving information. I always challenge myself in learning something new uh, every every day. I, I like learning. I learn a lot. I like learning a lot. So like now I'm learning about investment um, and mostly because I, uh, I would love to start fundraising and I want to learn how do you structure it in a way that makes sense? How do you structure yourself in a way that you grow without... Um, without being at a disadvantage, you know, who are the right kind of investors because you can't take money from everybody, you know, all those things. So you you learn and stretch yourself. And at some point, I mean, after learning about investment or trying to fundraise, is I want to be an investor. What does that look like? You learn all these things, but also just create also that 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 time for yourself to be able to learn a new skill. So for me, those those are the three things that I'm really deliberate about. I pray a lot. I, I like like prayer is a very important part of my life. I again I run to exercise myself and my brain, and also learn something new. Yeah. Uh, and my has just mixed things there. I learn something new. Uh, try and read a lot because I feel like if you don't read, you become still, and nobody wants something still in their life. Refill yeah. your cup continuously. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I, I like the intentionality around not touching your phone before eight a.m. Um, I I think that's a that's a huge huge thing that would lead to a lot of self um Im- improving benefits for a lot of people. Um, but the discipline to to be able to do that is 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 a bit of a challenge even to my to myself a lot of times. Um, I I, I don't know how you do it, but again, Yoshiko, so props <laughs> to you. <laughs> yeah. As we as we get deeper into the personal, uh, one of the last segments of of, of uh, our interview format is uh, play. So the longer we go with the conversation, the lighter the questions be, the more personal they become, also the more playful they get. So one of the things that uh, the more we've talked about, uh, I've thought of, uh, the the more we've talked, I've thought about has. Uh, taken me back to a conversation uh, the sound designer sound producer and i had right before everyone else came into the space and we were talking about the 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 mind space of a man 
right before he decides to approach a brilliant woman and brilliance not only in terms of beauty but also in brains so i'm slightly curious how it has been for you from uh, your early 20s or even earlier to who you are and how men have negotiated their space or their interest in you as as a lady and how that has been uh, i would say it would be super intimidating uh, but has it been the case have you felt this with uh, men who probably are interested in taking you out for uh, a coffee this is anywhere in the world be it in india in uh, cape town in zurich or london where yeah. you spend a bit of time as well so how's how has that been for you uh, as a young lady growing into this top notch ceo so let's start with like from the very beginning again both both intentionality yeah I was super focused like anybody I was with compass um I was very super focused so I was very clear I didn't want a relationship when I was in compass I tried it, it didn't work because I was very it, there was there was not much investment that was done in it to be honest um and after that I just said you know what this is not working and I had a very 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 specific prayer that I made to God and I said God um I I pray that um that anybody who you put the fear of you in me that anybody who is not of you will not be able to approach me and anybody who is will be able to and I remember I said that prayer and finish that story so I mean when you after after you grow up you finish campus you meet people that you are with campus in and said eh yet me I tried with you and you are not getting it said, what do you mean you are trying with me getting it I said yeah you are very this i'll give you gifts i said ah you mean those gifts i enjoyed them because i never get got it like i was like ignorant or naive or whatever word is it was not de- de- deliberate that i was like play- people would think it's playing playing hard to get but i was not i was super focused on getting those a's that i literally did not have the mind space to process any other thing are you getting my point mm-hmm. um and 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 for me the The thing is like I don't know if I, I I have gone back to the fact that when I was in high school I was this brilliant child then I played with with that brilliance I played with uh, with something that God has given me freely and I did not get the grade I, I should have gotten in in high school I got a C and that really affected me so for me uni when I got that uh pre university place and get, getting into uni was a second chance for me I was not going to burn it and then it wasn't going to happen So anything that was seemingly a distraction was not being consumed by me. I was I was not even like like playing around. I did my leadership things, I did my club things, but anything outside my academic or anything that was going to grow me as a human being was not I didn't have the mind space to process it. So 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 for me getting get, getting to this feedback from guys that oh you are so focused was true because i was i had deliberately decided to be very very focused uh even even, even i remember my you know, now my ex husband when he was approaching me at that point i told him uh guy i have gone to away to what is it called i've gone away to to south africa please just find yourself another girl i'm gone yeah uh it is not it is not something i want to do right now because i need to be able to finish my my masters and then when i got there and if i found an opportunity for phd i said actually i'm actually doing my phd this is never going to happen 
I mean, he was a bit patient and and stuff, but I realized that if you if if you a woman sets up the what is it called the the mood and the environment and the ecosystem around them, and people respect it. There are people who have met who are at one point interested with me, but they say we respect you because you are very clear on your values and and things. And at that point was not the right time for me or with you. And anyway, right now they are married with other people and they're very happy. You are getting my point. Yes. So for me, it is it is the trajectory I had set with myself is I was not going to be rude at you. Is that if you're coming to my life, you know this life is going this way. Eh? You know, Jua. As in, and I, I was never rude. And this the Shiko is talking to you is has always been that I'm very personable. I talk to people when I was in like in, in, in South Africa, I used to cook to the cook to the whole Kenyan community in Cape Town. All my friends will tell you they'll just come by my house because they'll find chapels. I have cooked everywhere. Like when I was in London, I I, I found the Kenyan community there. Um, like because I, I, I'm always out looking for people. My mom is always saying, "You always find time to find people." So just let people be. I said, "No, no." I get a lot of energy in finding new people and getting to know people. You see, I had already prayed, had this prayer in my heart that I don't want to waste my time having this long-winded relationship after the other, and then ending up um, just wasting a lot of time in other people's time if it was not going to work. It was not going to work. Yeah. Eventually, I did get married uh, to somebody I'd known for many years, and that. That that didn't work out because of just uh, personal issues that I don't want to get into. But even that, I learned that sometimes um, you have to that you have to be very what is it called in tune with yourself and in tune with God to be able to get to that point of a relationship. And it's a very deliberate decision. Um, being in a relationship, being, being married is not it's not an easy thing. And all the girls, it's not about uh, ticking a box. Because most people get in relationship because because your aunties or and that that those other people are not necessarily the person that you're in relationship with, but the people in your environment, your parents, your siblings, their siblings, their parents, because everybody is invested in you as a human being. So relationship is not about just you; it's about other people as well. It's a community. I always say we're in Africa. Relationship is a community thing. So people are invested in your success and in your happiness. So be conscious also in your success and happiness because some people are happy in you being happy even as a single person. And it's okay to be a single person. But also, it's not about, it's it's about you being able to be very clear about your life and being clear on what God has created. About Going back to what I told you about purpose, being clear that you're living in your purpose because it's a cliche that is said a lot in church. The person you marry determines your, your destiny. You need to have a des- destiny supporter or the de- de- destiny helper alongside yourself yeah, and yeah. you might end up with someone who's not a destiny helper end up being very miserable yeah, and yeah. feeling your destiny for nothing yeah yeah B- before you get into some final quick fire questions um mm-hmm. uh, i have a follow-up question uh, that ties back uh, in, into your whole career and the intersection of that with your personal life uh Women in technology is something that you're very passionate about and, and you, you're in mentorship um, and you're always um, speaking in different forums and events um, to bring more women into the foray. Uh, we, we've seen that not just gl- globally, of course, there, there is, of course, a huge discrepancy in terms of the women in technology and the women in leadership within these technology organizations. In most organizations from the start, it's um, you know, less than you know, 30% in most cases that number is even lower in Africa. 
but you've broken the glass ceiling and and you're a person who a lot of women look up to in terms of how they they design their technology careers um what what, what are some of the things that you think um should be done in order to get more women um into stem and and to bring more women um into leadership um and not just into leadership but actually them driving these conversations and having a say and making these decisions because we've seen that um a, a f- we've seen a stats that say that uh, you know companies that have more women in their leadership um teams or even in their board of directors um perform much better are more inclusive are more diverse are more humane um and and overall uh, function much better relative to those that are fewer so it's it's being very deliberate i have learned that we talk about women in stem we 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 train them we teach them you know we do all these amazing things for women in stem uh we 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 are starting to train girls as young as 8 year olds on on stem and stem related courses but we don't treat the environment for them to thrive mm-hmm. so we can train them they graduate then they come to the workplace and the environment does not augur well with them as being women or creating the space for them being women they're always discriminated about it's i always say it it starts and ends with the leadership of organizations in creating spaces for women to be able to thrive and not just because they are women it's because they are just created very differently yeah mm-hmm. it's when a girl comes in as an intern in your organization you stop sending them for tea yeah and give stuff giving them a task yeah give them a mentor give them give them something substantial to do such that you build confidence in them i always say for me an amazing amazing jerry was an amazing fast boss eh? any that chick gave me like threw me to the deep end cuz she knew i had comp- it was not a, comp- a computing environment i was not in a computer science um what is it called uh, environment at all to actually a political but because she recognized i have a computer science degree she gave me anything to do with computers like she would tell me to do research um edit type set documents a lot everybody she would say oh she has a computer science degree she can do that she would say that loudly and that gave me so much confidence in in this work in in uh, what is it called in in doing my work and being able to know that somebody acknowledges me yeah i was young i was young kabisa but she allowed me to like do this task and and gave me like high kudos around it and for me that was very important yeah and if you if anybody i've worked with is i always take these girls and say i'm giving you a huge task you're not going to be serving tea or doing this you're going to be doing task and you're responsible you're going to be get a task even a small one that you're responsible for so when you start young girls when they come to the workforce with that kind of confidence they grow they grow knowing that they can be able to do it so when they at my age are being told you can't do your thinking excuse me he a track record of doing things yeah and i always say if you give somebody a track record of doing things task i have done from beginning to end i have finished i have shown results of this there's nothing as as beautiful as facts as data as something showing i actually was able to build a product from scratch too i was able to manage a team of engineers even if it is just one engineer i was able to manage that one engineer to be able to build a product i was able to manage my code and i was able to deliver this and work with designers and marketers to take this product to market just that giving a woman that substantial something i always say it's a is a stick on the ground i have done this 
garnished, dusted, give them so much confidence. And we don't usually do this. This is a market of, oh, they're just starting. They're, I don't have time to train anybody. Most people, most people have that attitude. I don't have time to train anybody. I always say, again, remember we hire for attitude and train for skills. The goal is if that person has the right attitude, they have the ability to thrive in their career. Yeah? yeah, and you as a leader, as a manager, as as a people person, as a technical leader, you need to be able to identify those people or bring. Some people is not just identifying; it's bringing that, that that's something out of that person and showing them thrive. There's this girl, for example, in our team. She was at some point the only engineer in our team, and she never used to say a word. Yeni, you'd be in a ninety minute meeting. She would not say a word. Like she would shrink there. And then we give our leadership role to run, a, to be the technical lead of a project. Let me tell you, Maina, where she has thrived. <laughs> this is she was speaking. I'm thinking, which meeting are we in? Who is that? Because she has changed into this phenomenal leader. And it's about giving her an opportunity, throwing her in the deep and saying, you know what, chick, I know you're all these things and more. You're a brilliant engineer. You can code anything. Yeah, you can give us like a planet. But now it's a time for you to speak out and show off, show off your brilliance. And I know she'll speak at some somewhere, someone say, hey, that chick. And she's growing this like brilliant engineering manager, but because you just gave her the opportunity. And I feel like we're doing a lot of like training and doing all these things, but like the girls land into the workplace, we're not giving them the opportunity to thrive. We need to give them the opportunity to thrive. I've been advocating for starting it young and growing, but now I, because I'm in there, I'm seeing a pipeline of women coming through but when they come to the workplace, they, they, they are, they are, their potential is killed because we're not just allowing them to thrive. And I would say my challenge is let the women thrive in the workplace. Fantastic. Um, it feels like today's episode is a masterclass in leadership. Um, we totally celebrate it. Let's throw it back. When was the first time uh, you touched a computer or you even saw a computer? So I first saw a computer in high school, so being the keyword, because it was only one, and it was in the library, and there was only one person who could use it. This brilliant young teacher who had come from Nairobi, I went to some girls' high school, uh, this, this girl who had gone to university in Nairobi, and she could use a computer. So that is the first time I, I saw one. I touched one, I think when I was 18 or 19, touched it, but then it was an old computer that died before we, I could do anything with it. But totally interacting with it, it was in university. Mm, yeah, when I went to university, that's the first time I actually was able to do anything with a computer. Okay. And okay. my curiosity was, yeah. When was the first time you, f you felt or you knew that you wanted to pursue a PhD? When I was nine years old, <laughs> but I didn't know it was a PhD. Mm -hmm. I knew it was like Moi Lazima Nivaishe Kofia kind of <laughs> conversation. So you guys are young. So when uh, when us guys were growing up, we had a one president, one chancellor of all university. He was the head of the defense forces. So he was everything to Kenya. Mo Baba number, number one. Farmer number one. Yes. So he was chancellor number one. So every graduation, he had to graduate people. And uh, he, he, and every graduation, we, because we asked guys, we only had I remember my, my parents had bought our TV, so every graduation had to be televised. We had something called Dunia Wikihi, <laughs> and then the recap. That was the recap. Yeah. And I remember the recap of the University of Nairobi graduation and seeing this beautiful woman graduating. Yanisha was so beautiful. 
and she was graduating with her PhD. So they they do the the, the citation, they they recite, you know, they do the, they read the whole thing, and then you go and stand before the president and kneel, and then the president caps you. That's I mean, as I say it, I'm I'm rerunning the video in my head because it is there, like as as I'm watching it. Yeah. And I saw her, and I think I I told my mom, mom, I don't need to Yeah. And that was a, was just the words I said. And I kept saying that. In fact, they started calling me Daktari when I was pretty young. Well, they didn't tell me that I have to go and do form class eight, then do form four, then do undergraduate. And, but I said it and I believed it in my heart that one day I will be capped. So the day I got my PhD and I got capped, I cried a lot because it was 20 years of a dream coming true. Now let's tell people no matter so no matter what happened there in the middle, I had already spoken that moment into being. And I thank God for that. I always say I tell tell people it is you have to believe it in your heart. You might not know what you have. And I went through like no school fees for ages. Being chased the day exams are being done because you can't pay school fees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you end up with a PhD from a really, really brilliant university. And yeah, so it's about that. Yeah, so that at nine, I remember it very well, nine years old. Yeah. Um, you, you cried when, um, you know, you received your PhD. Speaking of which, when was the last time you had a really hearty laugh or a really hearty cry? I can remember the, the hearty laugh. Yeah. My child, he's so noisy. Like, <laughs> let, let me tell you, he is what he's noisy <laughs> he's my child but so let's say everybody's born with, a, with your prim- primary personality and the other one is grown by the environment my child's primary personality is a sanguine so he makes a lot of noise so he's just started a new school so we were having a conversation with him and so he and so i asked so so how was school so he says oh you know this girl is the noisiest person in our school so i'm thinking guy so if so what are you so so who is the quietest so what are you baba he said i'm the second quietest person in class <laughs> 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 okay i laughed so much mommy was asking mommy why are you crying laughing i said but are you sure you're the second yes i'm the second quietest person in my class this time so you have to see the what is it called the irony in this because he's shouting second quietest person in his class so i was thinking my god the poor teacher so if you're the second quietest person in your class how are they, the 12 other children in your class how are they? Because I can't understand how you're the second quiet. His second quiet test and the school sent me a note to stop giving him. Because I, I used to send him with juice to school. They sent me a note, please stop sending him juice to school. The so the second <laughs> and they stopped you from taking juice in school. What are you? Uh, so, yeah. So that 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 for me was, that was pretty, uh, it's still funny. I look at him saying he's the school's area. If you meet him, you'll know he's not quiet at all. I can hear him screaming from, and I, like I'm upstairs at the very corner and he's on the other side of the house and he's still noisy. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, in terms of crying, I'm, oh, in the recent past, I've been crying a lot. I know still, it's, it's important to say that because people feel like if you're a strong woman, you should not cry. And I don't know why they call people strong women. Um, I've, I've been crying a lot. Uh, I just lost an auntie this last week and she's the auntie. I, I told you about being born in Madare. Yeah, she's the 
she's the auntie who took my parents in because my mom was a young mom. She had a, a, a set of twins. She had just lost a set of twins. Um, and her family was not going to take a risk of her losing another set of twins. So my auntie actually took us in and um, and took care of us, not just for, for a while. And I mean, her passing, and we are very close with my cousins. So her passing was very hard because we had hoped she was going to beat cancer. Uh, so, so it was really hard, really, really hard. Those past and brought a lot of pain. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, so I'll say in the past week, I've cried a couple of times, really hardly. Yeah, Polenisana definitely receive our condolences. You've uh, mentioned um, the twin in your existence. How has this been? Uh, at least when doing research. Uh, we learned that even at uh, time at Nazarene, you used to go at UON just to get into the library using your sister's yeah. card. Uh, so how has it been so growing up with a twin? I think I've learned about twin thing a lot. Yeah. Um, so we're identical twins. So literally, we look the same yeah. and sound the same. Yeah. <laughs> so I started off in tech and grew into the into like, into like the development sector. Hash started from the development sector and grew into tech. So... Even though, I mean, you might see I like in some tech publications and you think it's me. <laughs> uh, it has been fun. It's, I mean, having a sister is awesome. Having a sister who is your twin is amazing because she's my best friend. My sister knows, feels, not knows, feels when I'm going through stuff. Uh, so she, she's, she, we are very, very close. In fact, I think even at, up to like even last week, my son was confusing me and her. That's how much we look alike and sound alike. Um, so so we we are very close we share life a lot we share a lot of our life together so which is which is it's amazing uh being able to do that with uh, with um with with her with yeah. with somebody like that when we were younger we, we used to take each other's places uh for example i was in i mean i was in Nazarene. we didn't have enough books i'll go to university of nairobi and be her for the day <laughs> and use the library uh to to read so so yeah so it 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 helped in those places it it helps us i mean with boys boys were very confused about us because they started <laughs> a conversation with someone and person B was like uh, who is that so we had to be open like oh that boy is looking at me uh so it was important for that to happen yeah so even at this day there are people who are like why did you ignore me i'm thinking that was my sister so, <laughs> like, uh, someone is looking at me and saying, you are confusing me with my sister. We're always good at saying, you're confusing with my sister. Because yeah. yeah. people then, oh, it makes sense. Because you might lose a friend because of your sister or the other way around. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, if, if you were to have a dinner with two people, Chico, dead or alive, um, and, and this is once in a lifetime opportunity, who would those two people be? I always have a hard time answering this question. There's a guy called Christian Christel. He's the he's the author of uh, the Innovator's Dilemma mm -hmm. about disruption and innovation. I like him a lot because I feel like he's the kind of person that I'd love to just sit with and learn from. Because I feel like he's very much if if I was to choose a path, although he, he was not sanguine and choleric, I'd be very much like him he's written like 
a lot of books. There's one called What Will You Be Measured For? It's like about what your legacy is about. He's written a lot about innovation and disruption. But the most important thing, he's a, he was a Christian. He passed away last year, I believe, last year or the year before. And he he says his Christian faith is what he, um, what informed his thoughts around innovation. And that got me to thinking about and reading the Bible very differently and looking at does the Bible give us a framework towards innovation? And it does. When you look at, like, at Genesis, when you look at it is about first preparation and and uh, planning and then innovating and then scaling, you think about that and you think, wow, we have this blueprint that has been given in the Bible around innovation. So, yeah, he's one of those people I'd love to meet. Um, I'll pick an alive person now. I think I'd love to have lunch or breakfast or an evening with with Okojo, Iwela, um, what's her, I forgot her first name actually, the, the new WTO, WTO yeah, uh, right. uh, president. I have met her. It's not I've never met her. I've met her when I was at the banker. I met her. She's amazing. But now I want to meet her knowing what she's gone through. She's she's tried a number of high-level high leadership roles. She tried the World Bank uh, president. She tried something there in the middle and then the WTO role. I'd love to, to pick on her brain on what kept her going, especially in in this corporate uh, development, you know, corporate means even development world, and especially against an older black woman, what what would it take? So the other day I was speaking with, I don't know, is, I was speaking in an event with Mary, and she said, she told me something that has been in my heart for a while. She said, don't worry about, so I was very, feeling very old at 40 because I'm feeling like 40. You know, when you're, when you're younger, thinking, when you think about 40, you think, oh my God, you're so far away and it's so old. And I'm thinking, no, I'm that far away and so old. But um, she told me, no, I'm in my mid-60s and I'm, I'm going strong. Don't, don't worry about it. And I read this, this great article that is in Forbes around the same about women uh, going in their climax of their careers at between, mid, between their mid-50s and 60 and, and their 60s so i was thinking what what gives you the staying power to that what what makes you not give up what makes you just stay especially for for kojo is how how did she do it and still keep her rooted what is that what is that ingredient and while I might not take it as she has is i love to just be prepared because you know being prepared is very important be prepared for whatever comes my way so yeah so that so that those are the two i would actually love to yeah madame gozi madame gozi yes Santa yeah. Sana. um so earlier on in the in this episode you've mentioned uh you as a christian uh wanting to always feel as if you're billboard for god so if you were to be given a chance to uh, stand next to all these admirable Africans in front of a platform, uh, well, at least on a platform where billions 
of humans, at least most Africans are watching you and uh, you didn't get the chance to speak. You just got the chance to maybe stand there and be honored and you're standing next to Madame Gozi, you're standing next to uh, Elon Musk, Wangare um, Madai and all these phenomenal Africans. And you had a t-shirt on and uh, this t-shirt had a message for Africa. So something very short and precise, something to encourage your people. What would this short statement be? Mm. Be kind. Be kind. Good enough. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, that's a great note, um, Shiko. Um, th- thank you so much for the time. Um, I-, I think you want to do a quick fire question. You grew up in Madare, right? No, I was born in Madare. Uh-huh. I grew up in Akuru, a place called Ronda, and then uh, Pangani. So until I was like in my mid-teens, I was in... So Pangani is like... I, run, I, I, do, I did my first eight years in Ronda and Langa Langa and then Pangani until I was, I think, 17. Mm-hmm. Then that's when we moved to Gishagi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So growing up, Mabui or Kashata? Growing up, it was uh, Kashata. Unfortunately, I'll just... Mabui, Kashata, it's too sweet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, are, are you a dog or a cat person? Or, or a chicken person. <laughs> Let's go with chicken because you can eat it. None of that. <laughs> okay. 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 Medali? Do you have a medali today for? Um, not really. Not really. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's been quite an interview. Even the thought of a medali right now because it's been a beautiful journey. Thank you very much. Um, do people ever call you Daktari? Yeah. yeah. And I always push back because then. So, for example, when I was there two days ago, yeah. somebody was calling me Dr. Then somebody said, can I talk to you about something I'm going through? Needing to be a health thing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Miss you, you're Dr. Riva, you're Namna. Yeah. Said, oh, when you're in Ilya Kusoma, because you might just be told something that you, you are self-paid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Thank you so much. Asante, um, in, any last words, um, final ask, um, last statement to leave with our audience? So I always like closing with this statement. You can hear this story and get depressed or get very impressed, but always say, be kind to yourself. Be extremely kind to yourself. Um, my my bosses once told me, give yourself time to grow, especially if you're young. You cannot microwave experience. Um, and that's why I was saying, Ngozi, I would love to meet somebody like Ngozi because I like to know what to prepare myself for because I know you have to go through something for you to be Angozi or for you to be um, to be a Jacinta or for you to be any of these women that we admire. But don't don't think that it's microwave it has happened over 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 uh, it, these things have happened over time. Mm-hmm. So give yourself time to grow and be kind to yourself. Be extremely kind to yourself. Also, girls, I love red lipstick and nice shoes. Get yourself something nice and put God first. God, I always say, I, as I close, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, by the grace of God, I am whom I am. I work really hard, but it's by the grace of God that I am. Yeah. So don't take it for granted. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, one thing I didn't get to speak about was um, also your fashion. Um, a, a quick story was that um, I was once with in, in Nigeria with one of our mutual friends. And I remember her wanting to buy fabric and she was like, I need to talk to Shiko. Shiko is the person who knows uh, about where to get the best fabric in Nigeria. 
Yes, I love fabric. I, I lived in West Africa, so Nigerian fabric is like my favorite mm-hmm. fabric. I love, 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 love and, fabric. And, 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 and love... you know all the ins and outs, the inroads, where to get the best fabric. Yeah. I was so fascinated I, I know in that. Abidjan. I, I lived in Abidjan longer. Mm-hmm. So I live in Abidjan. So I know where exactly to buy, get nice fabric in Abidjan. So in Nigeria, I know there's a market in mm-hmm. Lagos that you can go. You can buy you can get your dad from there. Let's go to the market. Yeah. Yeah. To get the the, the right fabric. Because that fabric actually lasts longer than anything that you can get in high-end uh, malls. Because they, you're not a tourist. You're, they know this is person who's going to be using this thing every day. And might come back every day for something new. Yeah. Our audience might be interested in reaching uh, you uh, via different platforms, uh, not only as the CEO of Color, but also maybe in person to ask for inspiration or notes or even where to buy good material in Nigeria. Good fabric in Nigeria. <laughs> so um, uh, if it's cool with you, would you be kind enough to share your social media handles and how people would reach you if they are ever interested in uh, chiming in? Dr. Koso, D-R-S-H-I-K-O-H on many of the social medias, on Twitter, Instagram. I'm all actually on Instagram, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then on LinkedIn, I'm Shiko, just S-H-I-K-O-H. So you can find me on any of those three social media things. Right. And I'd be happy. I'm, I'm very personable. If you say I heard about you, I hear about you. I like listening to people because when I hear back what somebody heard about me, it helps me understand what part of me was influential to them yeah yeah oh and you definitely are influential to i'm sure a lot of listeners learning about you within the last couple of days just reading up about you has been fascinating to me and i i get it i see the genius uh behind who you are and who you're working to become so from my end and i'm sure as a team at busy being born we definitely wish you well uh, stay busy being born and thank you so 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 much for saying yes to this conversation Asante Sana thank you so much Chico and we wish you all the best Asante awesome. Sana thank you all right. be well Asante thank you very much and uh, to you who's listening to us um, this has been uh, one of those it's been beautiful as always we promise you Kenya and indeed Africa there are brilliant brains here, brilliant people, beautiful human beings, and uh, Shiko is definitely a testimony to that. She's busy being born. Um, thank you so much um, for staying with us. I've been your host, Kamande. Kigodu, and that is my name, and you know where to find us, right? Yeah, we are on the Busy Being Podcast on Facebook. Busy Being Born podcast, yes, on uh, Twitter and Instagram at to be born, the number two, the letter B, B O R N, to be born podcast. Check us out, follow us, keep going. Go back to our earlier conversations. Whenever you're listening to us, just go back there. And remember, as always, if you're not busy being born, then you're probably busy not living. Peace. Adios. Hey, Asante Sana Abu, as always. Thank you so much, Maria. Namaste. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Do look out for more from us. For now, Kwaheri.